This is Mainspring Family Wellness, where transformation takes root. This podcast is for parents pursuing both personal growth and family wellness. We will cover relevant topics that help us reflect, make educated choices, and parent effectively. My name is Kristen Perlmutter. I'm an educator, a philanthropist, and a mother of three who is passionate about personal growth and seeing families at their optimal wellness. And I'm Dr. Jenna Flowers, a marriage and family therapist, author of The Conscious Parents Guide to Co-Parenting, speaker, and mother of three. Welcome to podcast number six for Mainspring Family Wellness. I'm really excited to be here today with uh, my co-host, Dr. Jenna Flowers, the author of The Conscious Parent's Guide to Co-Parenting. And we're here today with her co-parent, Eric Flowers. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Eric. Hi. Hi, hi. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here, Eric. Really excited to have this conversation and hear about um, how you guys make this work. How do you make it work? (laughs) Well, um, we have a lot of communication on on a daily basis, I would say, because we have three kids, mm. 18, 11, and 7-year-old. And I think where Eric and I landed with uh, our divorce and in co-parenting is that uh, we really wanted to put our kids first mm. and make sure that they got the very best from each of us. And mm. what that requires is us communicating and co-parenting really effectively for the kids. Um, And I would say that, you know, each of the kids have their own kind of personality, quirk stuff. Mm -hmm. But that being said, they had that even before when we were married. Right. Sure. (laughs) So it really is about uh, learning how to work well together. And and it's pretty seamless with the kids because the kids both have that. Each of them have that sense of like mom and dad really love and support them. Mm -hmm. And we're... We put any of our own stuff aside so that we can be really present to raise these kids well. That's great. Eric, do you want to speak into that? Well, uh, well obviously, I agree with that, and uh, that's the goal. I, I think you have to – I think both parents in the situation um, that occurs like that is that you have to take a step back and change your paradigm. And what I mean is you, each parent has to take a step back and change that it's not, um, you have to change what, it's not what you want, it's what you need to do. Hmm. So it, it becomes for the greater good is really what you have to underline is what the the decisions you make uh the way that you handle situations and the way that you handle the communication and and moving forward is underlined is it for the greater good yeah i mean there are two people in the world that children in a co-parenting situation are going to love the most mm-hmm. and it's their their mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And I think that has that idea has to be respected by both parents. Yeah. Always knowing that like this is the person is the their dad is the most important, you know, other person in their life. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm never going to 
tear that down or try to create obstacles from their ability to connect well and have a secure attachment to enjoy, to learn, mm-hmm. because of how important that person is in their life. Why would I do that? That's It's really a very selfish act. Sure. When I see in my own private practice, like co-parents that are fighting and they use their kids as pawns and they can't come to certain agreements, I just feel so sad. And at the same time, when I think of my co-parenting relationship with with Eric and then for our kids, I'm so grateful that mm-hmm. I have a co-parent that's willing to journey with me on, you know, for the sake of our kids becoming the very best they can be. Because they can only become the very best they can be if we're able to give them the very best. Absolutely. That's, I love that. I think one of the pitfalls of that is um, is that the parents, both parents, have to give up the ego, mm-hmm. and uh, which we can elaborate on a little bit more in, in a bit. But when it comes to your children, you brought them into this world. It's more important than your job. It's more important than your future relationships. It's more important than yourself mm. that you brought these people into the world to change the world and make it better. And for you to put up roadblocks just because of your ego is unfair to not only your family, yourself, and your your, your former partner, but ultimately to the kids and to the world. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And so, look, you got... The fact is you got divorced for a reason because... It wasn't working. If you continue on that path of that relationship, it still won't work. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to accept that you're going to have to change and you're going to have to change for the better. So how are you going to do that? The easiest thing is take yourself out of it Mm -hmm. and think of them first. Yeah, that's great. Well, some co-parents get caught up in talking really poorly about each other. And um, how do you avoid that? How do you keep it positive? Uh, can, can I give a real simple answer to that? Mm. You just do. You don't do that. Uh, again, all that stuff you just put aside. It's not going to do any good for anybody to continue down that path if it's been disagreeable. Uh, it's not going to help any situation. It's just going to make things worse. Um, and to put negativity out there and to talk poorly uh, about somebody that it, uh, that you knew and had a relationship with for probably a, a while at least, let's just say, whatever that yeah, the years the may part. be. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden your kids see you talking poorly. How does that, how do they figure that out? Mm-hmm. Not only the me- is, is the message negative, but the way it's delivered is confusing. Mm -hmm. And so all you're doing is just piling uh, junk on top of junk, and it's going to mess up their head. Yeah. I always look to uh, find positives that I can say and and find ways to affirm Eric with the kids, because there are a lot of strengths that, that Eric has, that he's an amazing dad. He's very playful. 
He's got a great sense of fun with, uh, with our boys and with our, our oldest daughter. And these are just such gifts that mm-hmm. he has given them. And, and I am not even half as playful as Eric is. And he's able to, to bring that with such grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I've always respected about him, something I've always appreciated that he could bring to parenting. Because I grew up in a home where it wasn't very playful. But Eric had such a playful relationship with his own dad and family that it, it was a wonderful legacy that he brought. Mm-hmm. So those are like little examples of how I can, you know, I affirm him because it is what it is. Like he's really good at that and the kids really benefit from that. And for me to like all of a sudden not say that, you know, if they bring up something that they did that was fun and that would that would be weird. <laughs> yeah, it's just like these are like certain strengths that mm-hmm. my co-parent has always had and it's something that they've really benefited from for so long and it's a part of the fabric of their lives. Sure. You know, so I want to honor that. It's, it, it's really interesting when you when you relate to kids and you really listen to them. Sometimes it's it's the same with adults, but they're just ex, they're they're ex, expanding on that as they're growing. Is they and they do the same thing we we do. They throw out phrases, words. They throw out situations that happen to them. Uh, it, it kind of exploratory. And to see what the, they're just kind of feeling out and see what the reaction is. So, for example, and Jenna, I'm sure, does the same thing, and I don't know it. And she and I do this, do this, and she doesn't know it. Maybe they had um, some sort of argument or disagreement or something that she had to give them a punishment for. And they, uh, so what they will do is they'll, they'll come to me and they'll tell me the situation. Of course, it's the one side that I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'll come to me and they'll tell me their side and then they'll just stare at me for my reaction. Mm. Am I going to take their side or am I going to take mom's side? Mm-hmm. So the, 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 of course, the most, the wisdom comes in you take no side. I wasn't there. I don't know. I don't know all sides. So you have to first and foremost remain neutral. Mm-hmm. Secondly, what you have to do is you have to back up the parent. And yeah. and you have to, no matter, because you don't know, but you have to start phrasing your reaction, uh, first of all, neutral, and to kind of empathize and say, okay, I understand what you're saying. And, and then secondly is, well, there was probably a good reason mom did that. And, mm-hmm. and this could be one of the reasons. And believe me, every time you do that, they listen and the issue goes away. Yeah. And their conflict with mom or dad, whichever, uh, that, was, uh, that came up prior to that, uh, it leaves their mind. And they are, it's, it, like I said, they're kind of poking and saying, can I get more mileage out of this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you just say, well, okay, I heard you. Good. Oh, I understand. All right. Um, but here's probably why mom did this, or here's probably why dad uh, reacted that way and did that. Um, and, and, and then it just goes away and you move on. We've mm-hmm. done a really excellent job of still uh, co-parenting as a united front. That's great. So one thing that uh, I'll give you an example our middle son uh, was having some behavior issues at my house mm-hmm. and um, all around uh, on his laptop and not wanting to get off when I was telling him, not listening to, you know, a second time of telling him or a third. And so 
One thing that um, is really fun at dad's house is he gets to play Fortnite. And then we don't have that at my house. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to Eric about it, and I said, you know, I'm having a a really hard time with him listening to me about his own laptop here. Would you be okay if I said, you know, the privilege of Fortnite at Dad's house, you know, would be taken away? And Eric was like, go for it. Do what you need to do. And he totally supported me on it. And it made a big difference because I didn't have that same leverage at my house as what was over at at dad's house. And so that that made a big difference for us. And then Tyson knew, like, he couldn't just play around with me and not have, you know, because the one thing that he really loves right now is Fortnite. Right. Like, the millions of other boys <laughs> right. around right. This, this country. But So, yeah, that, that brings up a question of, you know, how, do you guys have the same rules in each house? And, you know, you're, do you have the same forms of discipline? Do you discuss that with one another? I think so. I think we we take away privileges. Um, I don't think that's changed, and I yeah. think it's good to be consistent with that, mm-hmm. and not to change because the, if that does change, I think it also changes the relationship with the the parents or parent. I think to have that so. in, in both homes is really important because then kids have that same consistency. Yeah, and, and that is a strength that we had going into co-parenting, where we were of a very similar mindset with. What should be, you know, taken away as a privilege or whatnot with with our kids? Mm-hmm. And the key word there is leverage. Yeah. If you've got leverage at one place and you don't have the same leverage elsewhere, leverage won't work, and then and then the punishment is not going to work. So that's mm-hmm. going to fall apart. So um, when you're, uh, you have to tag team that leverage, and you have to have that same leverage uh, and, and and agree to it uh, in order for it to work and for things to go smoother. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you guys have some really healthy, open lines of communication. I mean, I'm sure that doesn't happen in every co-parenting relationship. I mean, a lot of people use their children as pawns to get back at each other, Yeah, which is so sad. Um, you know, what is your advice to, to newly separated, newly divorced Well, I think parents? initially it's, it's hard and it's raw. And there's a grieving that Mm -hmm. takes place for everyone. And so it's really important to recognize that your kids are going to be grieving. And actually, you know, what the research shows is that children um, in the initial stage of a divorce uh, will show some signs of depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. But in the long run, if they have parents that really connect with them, are present with them, that help them understand the rupture, Mm -hmm. then in the long run, they actually do better than children that were in a high-conflict home for their whole childhoods and did not see any repair between their parents. Interesting. Those children end up having more long-standing depression and anxiety. Wow. So I think for, you know, our initial separation and divorce we had, you know, there was some some grieving mm-hmm. that took place for everybody because it was such a big change. But what I think really makes the difference is the consistency mm-hmm. of both of us, both of us willing to show up and um, really be present with the kids and both be present at different functions. We didn't just, you know, just kind of avoid each other or just go, oh, that's that's your time. We still really did, I think, a pretty good job of transitioning that for the kids. Yeah. Do you want to speak into that, Eric? Yeah, it's really 
difficult because, and, and I, I get that, and, and I don't want to preach to the choir. You know, you, you want to offer this kind of information for those who need it, uh, not for those who already have it and are acting on it. Um, they get it. And the, unfortunately, the higher percentage is, this is kind of a rare uh, arrangement, I get it, th that too. The higher percentage is that uh, there is post-separation, post-divorce, uh, there, there is ego and there's greed and um, uh, revenge mm -hmm. uh, involved. And that's a higher percentage. So I, I think you, you kind of just have to look at that mirror. And if it's not, if, it, if there's so much conflict that it really is drama every day and it messes up your life, listen to things like this and try and pick up tips. The other thing is I'd highly advise to go see a neutral party. Mm. And and get some perspective, and maybe that will help, uh, along with um, information sources like this. Just seek out some information to make a change for the better. A and, and so everybody can kind of move on. Um, I mean, that's, that's what I would advise. That's, that's really good advice. How do you teach your children to have healthy relationships after – your divorce and separation. Do you yeah, show a, them that they can have healthy relationships with somebody? That's a great question. Eric, do you want to speak into that first or, or may I? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, I think that ruptures happen in, in life. I am, you know, a product, product of my own parents divorcing when I was four. Mm -hmm. And when I look back about uh, and, and compare it to, say, how Eric and I handled our divorce, mm -hmm. we really um, were so intentional about really being present with the kids and making sure we have time and trying to trying to repair in terms of keeping um, the, the bonds that we have with the kids intact. Where with my parents' divorce, I mean, they were always so busy working that there wasn't a lot of, you know, there wasn't any discussion even on yeah. people. It, granted, it was the 70s, different but still. Time. Sure. Different time. <laughs> so you just had to kind of go along with it, right. you know? Um, but in this day and age of parenting, we try to be really intentional about not just going along with it, but making sense of it, helping mm -hmm. our children process what's happening and, and that their feelings are valid. Mm -hmm. So I think the more that the repair is really that ruptures happen but how do you make sense of that now for yourself? Because you're still a very worthwhile person. You're a lovable person. And and mom and dad love you guys very much. And we still very much have that in common. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be very intentional about walking out life with you, journeying this, enjoying our time together. That's a great message. I think modeling, yeah. Um is really important, and I think part of that modeling for the future of those of your kids, uh, for again the greater good and for for their betterment, is that um, again part of the paradigm change is that each individual parent, each each adult, has to have uh, has to react in an adult way and realize that the time of taking this. Uh, 
conflict or rupture or whatever you want to call it, uh, time for taking that personally is over. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to get to get down to business. This is business. This is the business of child rearing and making it making them a success and putting your time and effort and your heart into you brought them into the world, make them better. And that's business. So business of the day is number one, helping these kids and and your attention to these kids. And uh, it, it, when you start taking things personally, like um, any requests for changes or any, any, it's not personal anymore. It's just day-to-day functioning. Everybody's just realize everybody at this point is trying to do their best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during this process, can you speak to anything you've noticed about your children? You know, any surprises that have come up or concerns with can I take that one first? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, the answer is really, I thought about this a lot, and I didn't have an answer until um, just shortly before we went on. And my answer is, and it kind of came to me, is that, and, and it's kind of interesting to me, and uh, I hope it's interesting to kind of, uh, ana- uh, uh, kind of analyze, is the one thing that I did notice about them internally is that and this probably is a unexpected positive, is that your, your children start looking at, once there's a divorce or separation, they really start adjusting to take a, a look at each of their parents as individuals instead of parents. And instead of uh, a team, mm-hmm. now they're looking at you individually. Um, so the good thing is that you have a chance to shine and you have to, you have a chance to show them maybe things that overall that you didn't get to, to share with them in a, in a positive way. You get that opportunity. Now, the, the, I guess the flip side of that is that they are now analyzing both of you individually hundred mm-hmm. percent and they are taking it. They see, they see every little nuance, um, of, your parenting and your uh, being an adult as a model to them. So you have to realize that they are seeing and watching everything and they are processing it. So what you do is being analyzed. So you can turn that into uh, a very positive thing or you, and, uh, and knowing that, um, or you can uh, realize that you know, the negative things you do will affect them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... A surprise for me was um, that in a co-parenting situation, I felt like I didn't rely so much on, um, when I talked about earlier, Eric's playfulness. Mm -hmm. I had to find my own sense of playfulness um, um, in my time. And so that is something that I've really been growing into Mm -hmm. uh, now in a co-parenting dynamic. And so um, like what Eric was sharing about, kind of you have a little more freedom Mm -hmm. to kind of explore certain things. I agree with that. So I think for me, I've really explored what that looks like with the kids so that they can see a more playful side of mom rather than such a serious side Mm -hmm. and kind of the taskmaster and and, and whatnot. Because I think that when we were married, that's probably how I presented and came across more than um, my fun side. Yeah. Yeah, sure. You know, naturally too, you've got when you're married, you've got backup. Yeah, right. And, and so 
when dad forgets something, it, mom can recover it and just go, uh, and then you move on. So you get, there's going to be situations, there's, there's going to be situations where dad forgets and, uh, or they go the, they go the wrong uh, place at the wrong time. And uh, it's not a big deal again. And, and so, and then the other, um, I think the other part of that is that you, you, you just want to remain positive, like, uh, you know, just be chill. Mm-hmm. It's don't, you, you don't want to uh, put out the energy uh, that everything is all, all important. It really, you know, in modeling that, it really, um, it, it really isn't. I mean, yes, the importance of divorce is, you know, um, it, it's heavy. But once that's done, um, you know, there's not much else in life that is um, is that big. So it's it's just a lot of small stuff, and just try to remain chill so they don't be anxious about about things. You know, I I will add too that um, this really speaks to how well Eric and I co-parent. Is uh, we have fifty fifty shared custody. Mm-hmm. And on the days where, like, I have longer work days, um, Eric is the one that picks the kids up on on my days. We do, like, a 2-5. So mm-hmm. it's, like, five days with one parent, too. So then on during the school week, he'll help with the pickup. I, I get to pick up one day a week. But he helps on, on my other day where, uh, with pickup. And so the kids get to see him. And we have more... Uh, flexibility mm-hmm. with each other mm-hmm. because if there's like a great uh, opportunity for the kids to go or someone's in town or you know we have that flexibility because we want our kids to experience those things yeah. and so it's not a competition it's more of just like what continues to help develop our kids and and grow them um that's great. And so I'm thankful that Eric can can pick up on those days and that they have that consistency um, because I've worked with other clients where they're very rigid about this is their day. It's not going to change. Nothing can be deviated from that. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of feel sad for those kids because when they see that rigidity, they feel like, oh, it's it's not okay if I reach out to my other parent on, on the other days or that I can't see them. And I don't want my, my kids to ever feel like they can't see dad. Right. You know, that they should have access to, to both of us. That's great. So, you know, your kids are, um, you know, 18 all the way down to seven. Yeah. What's the dialogue like when discussing uh, divorce, separation, um, issues that might pop up with your co-parenting? You know, I know that's going to differ from somebody that's got, you know, a two or three-year-old to somebody that's got a, you know, a child that's in high school. How do you communicate it, it doesn't matter if they're seven, five, or eighteen. Um, it, it depends on the individual kid, of course. But um, in in our instance, I think they're all all three of them are uh, still kind of shy about the subject. Um, not that they're not uh, things pop up, just like kids do. All of a sudden, you know, you're just driving along and you're talking about something baseball, and all of a sudden, you know, here comes a divorce question. <laughs> you know, that's a kid for you. Yeah, stream of consciousness. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's interesting tactic because they know when they improvise something like that, the truth is going to come out. So, <laughs> and you have no defense mechanism. Um, right. So, um, 
you know, that's that's what happens with uh, with all sorts of ages, and it just stuff just kind of pops up. Uh, um, yeah, and, and it is a it is a uh, more difficult subject to talk about because there's just a lot to t- lot to talk about on that. But what I would mm-hmm. say though is mm-hmm. that you know whatever reasons occurred for a divorce to happen. That's sacred conversation, mm-hmm. and that's conversation that kids do not need to be a part of. Yeah. And so anytime parents uh, make the choice to share in those those sacred pieces, that is actually damaging to their kids. Mm-hmm. That's not a weight that their kids need. That's right. That happened between husband and wife, partners, and it needs to stay there. Mm-hmm. Kids just need to know that their parents are available to them, that they love them, that they're there to support them, and and walk out life with them. Yeah, yeah. And if they poke too far, just say, "Hey, look, something shiny." <laughs> just divert. Let's talk about divert. baseball. <laughs> yeah. I guess that applies to just about everything. <laughs> so, so Jenna, can you talk a little bit about your book? Well, the Conscious Parents Guide to Co-Parenting um, was published by Adams Media and then was bought over by uh, Simon and Schuster. But the premise of the book is basically on attachment, which we kind of talked in our first podcast. And I'm a big attachment fan uh, in my uh, psychotherapy practice. But basically, when two people are no longer going to be together, how do you still choose to raise securely attached children? Mm. And that's what makes this book different than other books that are out there on co-parenting, because I back it up with the research on uh, attachment theory, and basically the goal is to become a securely attached person, a, a secure connector. Mm-hmm. And so we need to have parents that are emotionally available and responsive, um, that help kids identify feelings, that help you also take care of physical needs, but the emotional needs mm-hmm. of the home. There's a climate, there's a sense of safety um, when expressing yourself. That's great. And you yeah. offer um, a program Yes. So then this summer I'll be launching Co-Parent Well, which is an online co-parenting class um, for co-parents that want to learn how to co-parent well and have the the real basics of of co-parenting. And then we'll be adding more classes as well. That's great. After that, yeah. And who better to learn from than somebody that's gone through it and, and is doing it well? Thank so, you. Yeah. Well, and thank you, Eric, for being here with us. Again, I would encourage to to look up those resources and and uh, not, not only seek out uh, other neutral help, but take a look at your programs. They're really good because you get down to it. I mean, you get a license for driving, but you don't get a license for parenting. Yeah. So you've got to seek out this information. And and the other thing is, that, you know, you just have to remember who the child is. You're not as parents. You're you're an adult now, so you have to. Listen to the ridiculousness of your of your petty arguments. Um, if, for instance, um, if and this is true. Um, so one of our sons uh, likes um, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch all the time, but he needs the the crust cut off of the bread. Oh, I don't cut that crust, and she won't do it. I won't do it. And, I won't do it. It's the best part. And, and so I have to be the intermediary there and say he's not going to eat it. So when he comes to me, his peanut butter and jelly sandwich is all soaking, soppy, crushed, and then I have to clean it. So I have to go to mom and I say, so listen, you can handle this two ways. You can go, 
why don't you just cut the crust off the sandwich? <laughs> and then you kind of look at If that was recorded, you look at that and you go, well, that was really ridiculous. That's a ridiculous <laughs> argument. What am I really arguing about? Okay, I've... I have deep, you know, rooted resentments toward her, and now I'm taking it out on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> so you have to really realize, and, and you know, where the argument is. So it's something like that's so petty. You just be civil and just go, "Hey, um, here's what happens when you don't do that. I've got to clean it up. So uh, maybe just, you know, try to just cut off two of them or uh, two two sides." You know what? I or, didn't realize that you had to uh, clean it up. I, I, yeah, because he won't eat it, and then he just it just sits there and it just gets all yeah. Because my whole take messy. on on the peanut butter sandwich was to ha- to invite more response flexibility with mm. Tyson. So that's why I always leave the crust on because then I'm like, just try it. Yeah, just try like it. Maybe one of these days he'll actually yeah. eat the crust. Yeah. yeah, at some point. I, I think, uh, again, and this is a good example of pick your battles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. It is. It, it's not, it's not, it's not, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches is not really a big learning situation. It's, <laughs> you know, pick, pick a bigger thing to, to, to teach them because he's not going to budge on this one. And after a while, you just kind of realize it. So, again, the point is that I, I then approach Jen and I, and I just say, look, it, 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 this is an immovable object here. Mm-hmm. He, he's not going to budge on this. So give it up, you know, cut the, cut the things, uh, uh, cut the, the cut crust the crust. Off. Yeah, just cut the crust, man, and, uh, <laughs> and move on. So that's the kind of stuff. It's the way you approach it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not you don't take all of your junk from your past with this person and all of a sudden pile it on with a petty little argument like that. Just mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. You just make a suggestion. Hey, can we make a suggestion to you so I don't have to? Here's what happens when you don't do this. You know what? As we're talking <clears throat> about this, though, now I'm thinking of a solution that perhaps once the sandwich is made, we should just have Tyson cut the crust himself. I was he, actually going to suggest that. that, too. That's yeah. a really and, good idea. And, and there's another product that I found that is a, another solution. It's called Uncrustables. What is it's that? It's actually a product without crust on it. It's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> without crust on it. It's already made. Well, there you go. Go get those. There you go. <laughs> I got them. You guys have two amazing me, solutions for the peanut butter the and jelly dilemma. Yeah, so many solutions. Solution to everything. Yeah, think Aww. it through. That's great, though. I mean, this is such a helpful conversation for so many people. For hopefully, our listeners can uh, really take this to heart and, and learn from your positive example of being really effective, conscious co-parents. Thank you. I hope Thank it helped. You. Thanks for being here today, Eric. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks. <laughs> Please join us next time as we discuss summer survival skills. Mm-hmm.